Shalom. Welcome to Am Levadad Yishkon, episode number nine. In our last discussion, we explored the idea of the chosen people. We saw that Avraham Avinu was chosen and was told a mission, he was given a mission, Lech Lecha, Me'artzecha, Mimoladcha, Mibet Avicha. He was told to leave his land, leave his family, leave everything behind. And he was given great promises. Ve'e'escha le'goy gadol, one man is going to become a great nation. He's going to be blessed. He's going to become famous. Those who bless him will be blessed. Those who cursed him will be cursed. He was also told that the purpose of this is that he is meant to bring blessings to the entire world, bring God's blessings to the world. And we discussed on the background of Parshio Breshi to Noah what that meant, how there was a divine plan for the world, and how God had already promised Noah that the world will never be destroyed, the world has to become united around the service of Hashem. But after the incident of Migdal Bavel, God had to break the world down into multiple nations, and the mission of Avram Avinu now is to begin the process of creating a nation that will lead all other nations, and ultimately bring the world back together. And I think uh, at the beginning of the last episode, we took a look at the vision of Yeshayahu for what the end of days is supposed to look like. But at the end of the last episode, we also noticed a problem. We saw <clears throat> that although Hashem promised Avraham that he's going to be a great nation and he's going to, his, his descendants will inherit the land of Israel and they're going to accomplish all these things, in Avraham's own personal life, at least at the beginning, it certainly didn't look that way. First of all, he had no children. Already in an advanced age, he had no children. We saw that when Hashem came to him before the brief Benedict he said, I have no children. And on top of that, the land that he was promised, besides the fact that he had no Zera, he had no descendants, the land we saw as soon as he came into Eretz Canaan already, there were other people in the land. When he, Even when he needed to bury his wife, he had to beg, he had to describe himself as a Toshav, as a resident, who's also a Ger, um, also a stranger. And then we saw that in the Brit Ben-Bitarim, he had the terrible vision that his descendants were going to be thrown out of the land, they were going to go into exile and suffer and be slaves. And we asked the question, what's this all, what's this all about? In today's discussion, we'll try to get the beginning uh, of an answer. A full answer, we'll have to wait a few more weeks. Um, immediately after the Brit Ben-Bitarim, things begin to change for Avram. Uh, immediately afterwards in Bereshit, Perik Yudzayin, Pasuk Tedva, Vayomer, uh, no, I'm sorry, not there, but in, uh, in Perik Tedzayin, Visarai Eshet Avram lo yaldalo. Sarai, Avram's wife, comes to the conclusion that, look, it's not working out for them in terms of having children, and she makes a great sacrifice and allows her husband to take a second wife, gives her Shifcha Hagar to her husband, and in fact, in fact, uh, with Hagar, he, he has a son, Yishmael. And Avram perhaps at that point assumed that, okay, Hashem promised him a, a, a son, and it didn't work out through Sarah, um, and now he has a son through a different wife, and he assumed that this son is the one who's going to be uh, the child through whom that great nation will be uh, will be uh, developed, the one who will give birth to that great nation. So, so initially thought uh, thought Avram, but uh, in the Brit Milah, shortly afterwards, when he was told to uh, circumcise himself and all of his inheritance, in in and all of his descendants, it then says in Pasuk Tetvav. 
Perak Yud Zayin Pasuk Tevav. Vayomer Elokim al Avraham Sarai Ishtecha. His name was changed from Avram to Avraham, and her name is changed Lotikrad Shma Sarai. And I will bless her. And you're going to have a son with her as well. At this point, Avram was 99 years old. He's told you're going to have another son. And I will bless her. And from her will come a great nation. And Avram is uh, shocked. He laughs. It's that laughter, assumedly, that gives his son Yitzchak his name. Um, he says, I can't be. And Bayomer Avraham Elokim, Avraham says to Hashem, Lu Yishmael Yechielefanecha. It's enough if Yishmael lives. I have a son already. I, I, it's too much to ask almost for, almost for a second son. And here Hashem tells him, no. Bayomer Elokim, Pasuk Yutet, Aval Sarai Ishtecha Yoledet Lechaben. You should call him Yitzchak after the laughter that you just expressed. It's not through Yishmael that you're going to uh, re- realize your your mission and your and your goals are going to be accomplished. It's through Yish- it's through Yitzchak, through the second son, the son with Sarah. And then he's told, Yishmael will also become a great nation. But the one who's going to fulfill the covenant is Yitzchak. It is through Yitzchak that I will um, uphold the eternal the eternal covenant. And in fact, in Perak Chaf Aleph, a few, a few chapters later, after Yitzchak is born, uh, shortly after Yitzchak is born, his wife Sarah comes to him with a very, very, very troubling demand. Uh, Avraham made a big party on the day that his son Yitzchak reached the age of probably two or somewhere around then when he uh, ceased nursing from his mother and became already a child who was able to eat on his own. And immediately after that, Avraham Avra, Sarah saw that Yishmael, the son of Hagar, was acting in a manner that was assumedly a de- bad influence on her son Yitzchak. The exact definition of what Mitzachek means here, and perhaps its relationship with the word Yitzchak and the name Yitzchak. These are things that various commentaries discuss. Rashi quotes a number of explanations from Chazal. But in, in one way or another, Yishmael, Sarah felt, would be detrimental to Yitzchak, and therefore she comes to her husband Avraham with an almost impossible demand. But Tomer la Avraham garish ha'ama hazot viet bena ki lo yirash ben ha'ama hazot im bini im Yitzchak. She tells Avraham, not only you thought Yishmael was going to inherit you, and Yishmael is the one who's going to take over after you. Not only is that not true, my son Yitzchak is the one, but you need to expel Yishmael from the house. And this was something that Avraham felt he couldn't do. He felt he certainly couldn't do such a thing. But Hashem came to Avraham and told him, no. Actually, you have to listen to your wife. Listen carefully and follow everything that Sarah tells you. Why? Only Yitzchak 
and not Yishmael. And Chazal read into that even Ki Yitzchak, only within Yitzchak, because as we'll see in a moment, and as of course we all know, there's going to be yet another Bechira, another choice that has to be made from among Yitzchak's descendants. But right now, it's Yitzchak who's chosen over Yishmael. And here, Hashem makes that statement very clear. Yishmael is not the chosen nation. Yishmael is a great nation that descends from Abraham. But Yishmael has to be sent away. Ki Yitzchak. And in fact, uh, later on, in Perik Chafvav, that's already Parshat Toledot, there Yitzchak himself is told, this is already after Avraham passed away, by he ra'av ba'aretz there, we read, milvad ha-ra'av ha-rishon Avraham. There was a famine. Just like in the days of Avraham, there had been a famine, there was a famine in the days of Yitzchak. Vayelech Yitzchak el Avimelech Melech Plishtim Girara. Yitzchak went to Avimelech in the land of Plishtim, and it seems that he was on the way to Mitzrayim. He thought that perhaps he should go to Mitzrayim, just like Avram had done when there was a famine. And Hashem stopped him and told him, you can't leave Eretz Yisrael. You don't go to Mitzrayim. Vayera elav Hashem vayomer al tered Mitzrayim. Don't go down to Mitzrayim. Shchon ba'aretz. Asher amar elecha. You live here in Eretz Yisrael. Gur ba'aretz hazot. You live in this land. Ve'ayim chav avarachecha. Why? Ki lecha ulezaracha etein et kol ha'aratzot ha'el. I will give you and your descendants all these lands. The very same lands that I promised to give to Avraham's descendants. And I told Avraham, Ki v'yitzchaki kare l'chazera, that his descendants means the children of Yitzchak. I'm telling you now the same thing. All the lands that I promised to give Avraham and his descendants, I'm going to give them to you. Vakimoti avicha. And with you, I'm going to fulfill the promise I made to Avraham. I told Avraham that his descendants will be like the stars in the sky. Those are going to be your descendants, which are of course also Avraham's. It's through you that that's going to be, that that's going to be fulfilled. Et kol ha'aratzot ha'el, ve'hit barchu bezaracha kol goyei ha'aretz. And that's the key phrase. Avraham was chosen, we saw two weeks ago, for the reason that, v'nivrechu v'cha kol mishpechot ha'adama, the idea that you, through you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. And that promise, and that mission, was passed on here to Yitzchak. V'hit barchu bezaracha kol goyei ha'aretz. Now, of course, we know that Yitzchak ultimately had two sons, twins, Yaakov and Esav. In utero already, they were wrestling with one another. Yitzchak's wife felt this turmoil uh, taking place within her womb, and she went and was told a prophecy, There are two nations within you, not one. And Viravya Avod Sa'ir, that the elder will serve the younger. So Rivka already understood from the moment of birth that Yaakov, and not his brother Esav, is the one who's going to take over, is the one who's going to inherit the mission and the bracha and the promise and the, and the destiny that was first given to Avraham and then passed down to Yitzchak. It's going to be passed down from Yitzchak only to Yaakov and not to Esav. It seems that Yitzchak himself didn't fully realize that or didn't realize it at all. As we know, he planned to give a bracha to uh, to Esav, and only through the deception that was carried out by Yaakov at the behest of Rivka, only in such a way did Yaakov get the bracha. But it's important to understand that Yitzchak originally had two brachot. He, or let's put it this way, Yitzchak gave Yaakov two brachot. He gave him one bracha 
believing that he was giving it to Esav, but actually giving it to Yaakov. But there's a second bracha that he never intended to give to Esav. If you look in Perik Chavzayim, in Perik Chavzayim, Yitzchak wanted to give a bracha to Esav, a bracha that Yaakov wound up obtaining as well. But what was that bracha? In Perik Chavzayim, Pasuk Chavchet, we see the bracha that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov, believing he was giving it to Esav, the bracha that was intended for Esav. The dew and the, and the rain and the material blessings of much grain and much wine. Material wealth. A military power and political power subduing other nations and having them serve you. Even your brethren, the children of your own parents, even your, your brothers are going to bow to you and you're going to, uh, and you're going to serve them. And even the phrase, which of course is taken from God's bracha to Abraham. All of this material wealth, prosperity, economic success, military strength, political strength, all of that Yitzchak intended to give to Yaakov, to, to Esav, but wound up giving to Yaakov. But there's a second bracha that Yitzchak never gave to Yaakov thinking he was Esav. He only gave it to Yaakov later when he knew it was Yaakov. In the beginning of Perek Chavchet, when Yitzchak sent Yaakov away uh, to go to the house of Lavan to find a wife, he tells him, Perek Chavchet Pasuk Gimel, V'kel Shakai Yivarechotcha, May God bless you. It seems that Yitzchak wanted to give Esav some of the brachot, the material uh, wealth and military and political power, but the Birkat Avraham, the mission, the Yehud, the destiny that's involved with inheriting Eretz Yisrael and building there the nation that's going to bring God's blessings to the world, that even Yitzchak intended to give to Yaakov. In the end, of course, it was the will of God that Yaakov receive both brachot and that Esav be cast away just as Ishmael had been cast away. And in fact, that's what happened. And Hashem, in fact, ultimately endorsed that himself. We see uh, in the next parsha, in the beginning of parsha Vayetzei, running away from his brother Esav who wants to kill him. And on the way to Haran, where he knows he has to find a wife, he gets to the place where he has his dream. And he has the dream, he sees the Sulam Mutzav Arza, Virosho Magia Hashamaim, he sees the ladder that stretches from the earth all the way up to the heavens, Vine Malachay Elohim Olimbiordimbo, angels going up and down, Vine Hashem Nitzav Alav, God himself is standing over him, Vayomar, and God said, Ani Hashem Elokei Avraham Avicha Velokei Yitzchak, First of all, Hashem himself endorses the idea that Yaakov is going to inherit the lands that were promised to Avraham and to Yitzchak, not Esav. The multiplicity of, of descendants like the dust of the earth. And here's the key phrase again. So the bracha that was originally given to Avraham, the bracha that involves 
Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who cursed you will be cursed. And through you, all nations of the world shall be blessed. That bracha was passed down from Avraham to Yitzchak and only to Yitzchak, not to Yishmael. And from Yitzchak, it was passed down to Yaakov and only to Yaakov, not to Esav. And with it, the other brachot as well, the brachot of Tala, Shamayim, Ushmanei Haaretz, Virov, Dagan, Vitirosh. All of that, the material blessings also were passed on to Yaakov. So Yaakov Avinu therefore understood that he is the one who has to carry out the mission that was given already two generations ago to his ancestor Abraham. But his personal life circumstances weren't any better than those of Abraham. He still doesn't seem any closer to forming a great nation. He has already 12 children, 12 sons, plus at least one daughter. So at least 13 children, more than Avram had or Yitzchak had. He has them in a way that it becomes clear to him that all 12 of his descent, of his sons, they are all going to be his, his descendants. The process of Bechira, the process where some of the descendants are split off from others, that process has ended. All 12 of his sons are going to become the Shivtei the 12 tribes of, of Yisrael. And Yisrael, of course, is the name that he himself has given. But his personal life circumstances don't seem to make that any more close to reality. First of all, he uh, has all of his children living in exile. He has to go away and live under the rule of Lavan. And he's certainly not anything approaching uh, the ability of having an independent nation in his own land. He's living Bechlal in someone else's land, and he's at the mercy of Lavan, who uh, constantly manipulates him and takes advantage of him. Even when he returns to Eretz Yisrael, he has to contend with the Canaanim in Shechem, and when he goes down to Hebron afterwards, and he finds himself still, still surrounded by other nations. And it doesn't seem in Yaakov's lifetime uh, that anything is really happening in terms of fulfilling this mission. And on top of that, he assumedly knew also about the terrible prophecy of the Brit Ben Ibitarim, that his descendants were going to have, that Avram's descendants were going to have to go into exile and suffer and be slaves for a very, very, very long time. And then things start to go wrong for Yaakov. His son Yosef disappears. Yaakov believed for 22 years that Yosef was dead. And of course, we know that Yosef was sold by his brothers to Mitzrayim. And ultimately, and this is what we read just last week, uh, just this past Shabbat in Parshat Vayigash, we read about how Yosef ultimately revealed himself to the brothers, and the brothers came up and told Yaakov that in fact, that in fact, uh, his son uh, Yosef was alive. And let's just read those psukim as well, because here we come to a very key passage that I think will help us understand the beginnings of what's been uh, what's been disturbing us here. Um, first, it says in Perek uh, Perek. Um, Memhei, um, it says, The brothers went up from from Egypt, um, They said to him, Yaakov literally almost had a heart attack. His heart, heart skipped a beat. He couldn't believe what he heard, but then he was convinced. He saw the Adalot, Asher Shalach Yosef. He saw the wagons that Yosef had sent, and he became convinced that this was true. By Yomer Yisrael Perek Memhei Pasuk Chavchet 
Vayomri Yisrael Rav Od Yosef Pnichai Elcha Ve'erenu Biterem Amut. Yaakov said, my son Yosef is alive. I want to go on a trip to visit him. And Yaakov, it seems, believed he was going on a short, a short trip that to last perhaps only a, a few weeks or a few months. Because Yaakov now understands that his son Yosef is alive. He understands that Yosef is the ruler of Mitzrayim, and therefore Yosef is not able to leave. He's not coming back to live with him in Eretz Canaan. Yaakov at this point was already 130 years old. He didn't know much longer he was going to live. He wanted to see his son Yosef. He believed that he was going to Mitzrayim for a short visit to see his son. Yosef had already told the brothers, look, I know there's going to be another five years of famine. And you're not going to be able to live in Eretz Canaan for, for the next five years. So I want you to come to Mitzrayim for five years so that I can make sure that you have what to eat and that you're taken care of and supported. So Yaakov thought he was going on a very short trip. Yosef, it seems, believes that Yaakov was going on a trip that might last as much as five years. But we know that this was going to be much, much more than that. Yaakov was to live out the rest of his life for the next 17 years in Mitzrayim and die in Mitzrayim. Yaakov was leaving Eretz Israel now for the last time in his life, only to return to be buried after he died. And his descendants would stay in Mitzrayim for hundreds of years, and they would become slaves. This is the beginning, what Yaakov is about to do. This trip that he thinks is just a small, minor trip to see his son this journey is the beginning of a historic process of Shiabud Mitzrayim that's going to ultimately lead to Yitziat Mitzrayim. This is the beginning of the fulfillment of that terrible nevuah of the Brit Benibitarim. And what's extremely instructive are the psukim in which this reality is revealed to Yaakov himself. We're told uh, in the very next pasuk, Vayisai Yisrael v'chol ha-shelo vayavo shava Yaakov leaves Hebron where he was living and goes to Egypt, but he stops on the way in Beersheva. And that's highly significant. Beersheva, all through Sefer Bereshit, is the gateway to the rest of the world. It's from there that he left for Haran, by Yetzei Yaakov mi Beersheva. Beersheva symbolized the, the contact between his father Yitzchak and his grandfather Abraham and the Plishtim, before one leaves Eretz Yisrael and goes later on in Tanakh, it was the border Midan Ve'ad Be'er Sheva. Before one leaves Eretz Yisrael, one stops in Be'er Sheva. And there he brings Korbanot. And it says specifically, Vayizbach Zvachim Lelokei Aviv Yitzchak. It specifically mentions Yitzchak. It could have said that he brought Korbanot to the God of his father Abraham and Yitzchak, or just to God to Hashem, but it specifically says Lokei Aviv Yitzchak. And I think the reason for this is that Yitzchak had been also on the way to Mitzrayim, had also been on the way to Chutz Laaretz, just like his father Avram and later his son Yaakov, but Yitzchak had been stuffed by God, and God had told him don't leave Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov, it seems, was, even for what he thought, was a very short trip. He was concerned and worried about leaving Eretz Yisrael again and going back into Galut, even for what he thought was a short period of time. And so he brought Korbanot Lelokei Aviv Yitzchak to try to, to try to, um, gain divine assistance, specifically that aspect of divine assistance that connected his father so closely with Eretz Yisrael. And here, in response, he receives a message from Hashem, which is quite puzzling. Vayomer Elokim Yisrael b'marot halayla. 
And here we have a vision that, uh, or, or, or terminology that sort of evokes the terminology that Avraham experienced at Brit Ben Abitarim. It's dark, it's nighttime. And he receives this vision, Bimarot Halayla. Vayomer Elokim Yisrael Bimarot Halayla. Vayomer Yaakov Yaakov. Vayomer Hineni Vayomer. Anochi Hakel Elokei Avicha. He had, Hashem identifies himself as the father, the God of his father, the one he was praying to. Al tirami Mitzrayma. Don't be afraid. We see that Yitzchak was, Yaakov was afraid, afraid of going to Mitzrayim, even for what he believed was a short trip. Hashem tells him, don't be afraid. But what he tells him next is very strange. Why should you not be afraid? Ki legoi gadol asim chasham. Because I'm going to make you into a great nation there. And what that means is that Yaakov is going to be in Mitzrayim not for a few months and not for a few years, but for generations. He now was, it was now revealed to him that this is the beginning of a very lengthy galut. Anochi, says Hashem, I, Eredimcha Mitzrayma, va'anochi alcha gamalo, I'm going down to Mitzrayim with you. I'll be there with you to protect you. And I will also bring you back. But the Yosef yashit yado aleinecha. And at least according to Deben Ezra, what that means, Yosef will cover your eyes, meaning will close your eyes when you die. Meaning, when you die, it's Yosef who's going to close your eyes. That means he was told you're going to die in Mitzrayim. You're not coming back to Eretz Yisrael, only afterwards to be buried. That, however, was preceded by the statement, Al-Tira, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of going down to Egypt because you're going to be in exile for generations there because you're never coming back to Eretz Yisrael uh, during your lifetime. That is supposed to comfort Yaakov. Essentially, Yaakov was now informed that this is the beginning of that terrible prophecy to Avraham, the prophecy of the Brit Ben Abitarim, hundreds of years of, of galut, of exile and slavery and suffering. And for this, for this he's told, don't be afraid. I think the key is in that pasuk, ki legoi gadol asim chasham. And this pasuk reveals a very strange uh, reality. Legoi gadol asim chasham. It is there in Mitzrayim that you will become a nation. And in fact, if you look through the entire book of Breshit, not once in the book of Breshit are the descendants of the Avot referred to as a nation. They're not a nation after all, they're a family. It's B'nai Yaakov. Or B'nai Yisrael, a few psukim later it says, Shmot B'nai Yisrael Habayim Mitzrayimah. Seventy people went down to Mitzrayim. Seventy people is a, a large family, a clan if you will. But it's not a nation. There in Mitzrayim you're going to become a nation. And in fact, in the very beginning of Sefer Shmot, that's exactly what the Torah tells us. The book of Shmot begins with the same words, Shmot B'nai Yisrael Habayim Mitzrayimah. But, and then it tells, right, it's, it, they're a family. B'nai Yisrael, the children of Yisrael. But then it says in the sixth pasuk of the book of Shemot, Vayamot Yosef v'chol echa v'chol adorahu. Everyone died. Yaakov died at the end of Sefer Bereshit, and then Yosef and all his brothers. U'v'nai Yisrael paru v'yishretzu v'yirbu v'yatzmu b'mod me'od v'timalei ha'aretz otam. There they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied much till the land was as it, as it were filled with them. And then, Vayakom Melech Hadash HaMitzrayim Yosef. We spoke about this pasuk in one of our earlier discussions. A new king arose. Vayomer El Amo Hinei Am B'nei Yisrael Rav V'atzum Mimenu Hava Nitchakmalo. He refers to B'nei Yisrael as Am B'nei Yisrael. This is the first time that they're referred to as a nation. Now this is also highly troubling. 
and quite puzzling. Because think about it. Abraham was told he's going to be made into a great nation. And that nation is going to live in Eretz Yisrael. And he was promised that his Eretz Yisrael is going to be given to his descendants. And Yitzchak was given the same promise. And Yaakov was given the same promise. And as we saw, it didn't seem to be happening in their lifetimes. Am Yisrael becomes a nation? Dafka in Mitzrayim. The Jewish people was born, not in Eretz Canaan, but in Mitzrayim. Born into a land, born into a situation of exile. In, the, in an exile where they're going to be persecuted. And knowing about a homeland that they're told that they're one day going to return to, but it's not really returning. They've never actually been there. And that land is inhabited by somebody else. What a strange way for the Jewish people to be brought into existence. Am Yisrael is born into exile, into slavery, into persecution. Far away from a promised land that one day they're told they're going to return to, a land that they've never seen, and a land that's controlled by someone else. They're going to have to fight wars to take it over. Why? Why is this the case? As I said at the outset, the full answer we'll have to wait a few more weeks for. But one thing I think we can already see, the existence that the Am Yisrael was born into in Mitzrayim is very similar to the same type of existence that they're going to have to live in the future. In our earliest discussions at the beginning of this series, we pointed out that there's some very, very perplexing aspects of Jewish history. Am Yisrael seems to be a nation that can exist under exactly those conditions. We talked about this, Am Levadad Yishkon, a nation that lives in exile, a nation that can exist without a land of its own, without any power, without anything to hold it together, except the vision of a homeland somewhere in the distant recesses of the, of the, of the, of the, uh, somewhere off on the horizon and in, and in the distant recesses of the future, a homeland that they believe they're one day going to return to. A nation that's going to have to live in exile for some reason. Perhaps for that reason, the nation was born in exile. This is a theme that we're going to explore, Bezrat Hashem, uh, in a few more weeks. But we have a few things we need to work out um, before that. And so we'll continue from this point, Bezrat Hashem, next week. Shalom.